Welcome to Brackets, Bubbles, and Bid Stealers, Season 4, Episode 14. I am Sam Fetterman. That is Jonathan Litskin. Soon, we will be joined by Greg Waddell of Sleevers Media to preview the Gavit games. But as we wait on him, we have some other college basketball stuff to go over for tonight. Jonathan, yeah, you want to start out west? Yeah, let's well, let's start with the either first or second biggest upset of the opening week of college basketball. Yeah, it was. I was very surprised. I think everyone in the college basketball world was surprised, especially after how St. Mary's played against New Mexico the other night on Thursday night. That St. Mary's tonight falls, blows a big lead at home to Weber State while out-rebounding them by 15. Oh, Greg's here. What was most... Yeah, what was most surprising, I think, about hey, Greg, that game. how you doing? Hi, guys. Sorry I'm late. No it's worries okay. at all. We're, we just got we're started. We're going to get started with a quick weekend recap. Um, we're talking about St. Mary's right now. We'll get into Indiana in a moment. Love it. Thanks for having me on. Of course. of course. So what I was saying, Sam, was what was most surprising about this game is the is just like the way St. Mary's lost. Like playing ahead and playing this low-scoring style, like that's their thing. And so the fact that Weaver State was able to win the game the way they were was super impressive. Yeah, and Dylan Jones, I mean, this guy is one of the best players in the country. 6'6", 240, runs like a fullback, um, sorry, runs like a running back in the paint, can finish, can hit threes, defends well, one of the best rebounders in the country at that size as well. He completely took over this game down the stretch. He scored like seven in a row with like three minutes left to put Weber State ahead. And like Aiden Mahaney started this game super hot. He scored two points in the second half. All right. Now let's move on to one of the more interesting results of the, of the season so far. Army came into today with the 359th ranked offense in the country. They are pretty much a brand new team. They lost... Connor Enright, um, they lost um, Colton Benson, they lost Jalen Rucker, they lost pretty much everyone from last year. And they go into Assembly Hall and not just compete with Indiana, they had Indiana on the ropes. Yeah, I, I, I guess I'll start here. Like, Sam, I think you and I both picked Indiana to finish 13th in the Big Ten this year. Yeah. Like, this is this roster was just not put together well at all. Yeah. And, like, yeah. like, like Jim Root tweeted something after the first half. He said, like, something along the lines of, like, this effort or energy from Indiana has, like, been really uninspiring so far. And I said, like, when your biggest transfer portal edition and biggest offseason edition was a kid who had uh, motor questions, like, what do you really expect? Yeah, and overall, this is an Army team that put up 44 points on Stonehill the other night, 55 against Marist. I mean, Marist plays slow, but that's this should not be happening. Uh, Greg, do you have anything to add? 
Uh, yes, I do. First of all, I'm amongst friends because I had no idea you guys picked Indiana 13th in the preseason. I'd like to applaud you for maybe being the only people on earth that were harsher on Indiana than me this offseason. So it's good to know that I'm at home here. Uh, I got I posted my power rankings before the season and it was it's one of my best performing tweets ever because all the Indiana fans are in my mentions. It's taken a lot for me to restrain myself from going back there and quote tweeting a bunch of them, just reminding them to myself they are technically two and L. Yeah, that that is the hard part. The squares, like you look up and down the rest of the Big Ten right now, or the Little Ten, and you see a bunch of teams that have lost the games they've played horribly. Like Indiana, at least can still hold that out. It's like maybe we'll get it together. Uh, they're not going to get it together though because. Couple, couple very scary, scary red flags, more so than just like they're in close games right now with bad teams. Uh, Mackenzie and Baco can't play on this team. Like, and I think we all were skeptical of what the front court looks like. I said I liked him way more at the four than as a three. I didn't understand how you were going to try to work in Sparks and Walker in with this front court rotation. It's just a thousand power forwards. And it, Woodson has already turned completely away from Mackenzie Mbako. He's proven that he's going to stick with Renault and Ware, at least until Mbako is better. But, like, I don't know how that works for a dude who thinks he's in the NBA next year. I can't imagine he's enjoying this role right now. And he's definitely not playing the role well. Like, he's been a total non-factor through two games. So that's terrifying. Like, on paper, a lot of people thought he could be their best player. Right now, he's not even one of their top five players. and. Two, biggest red flag for me, Kalel Ware and Xavier Johnson have both been good, and this is happening. You know how horrifying that is? Like, I, I thought for sure if Indiana had these results to start a season, Kalel Ware would have like an 0 for 5 from the floor game where he plays 12 minutes. No, he's been like, can't take him off the floor good. He was 9 for 11 from the floor tonight. Like, yes, the motor stuff is still kind of there, but the production is there. And this is still happening for Indiana. Xavier Johnson is making shots. He's like doing unselfish things on the basketball court. And this is still happening for Indiana because of the guys that are around them. That's a horrifying proposition because you know sooner rather than later Ware and Johnson aren't going to keep this up and the wheels are going to completely fall off. Yeah, and I think Chloe Ware has been great. But the other thing about that is it just feels like he's only scratching the surface. And that seems like it's all his fault, too. He's not assertive enough when he gets that basketball. He needs to get the ball, go into the paint. I saw him settle for a couple mid-range shots or just kind of pass out of pass out of an opportunity um, to back down and get in the post. He was, he was scoring on lobs. He was rebounding fine. But... 11 shots the way that the rest of this offense was playing. He needs to take more than that. He needs to be the center of attention for this offense. They can't, they can't rely on on other guys here. And I, I will say, I think Gabe cups has been phenomenal. Um, their most important player down the stretch in each of these two games, because Mbako has been completely unplayable. Yeah. The one thing I'd add to that is like, I was out getting dinner when, when this game was in the first half and I saw the halftime score and just like, just out of curiosity, cause I know these military academies can only recruit like players that like are able to go to the military based on like their size and stuff like that. So I was like, look, I just looked at like the size of the army players they had on the floor. Their power forward in their starting lineup was listed at six, four on CBS. Yeah. It's so. very, very small. Um, 
Ryan Curry was awesome today, and he should have given Army the lead with about three minutes left, but his foot was just out of bounds. If his foot is in bounds and Army takes a 59 to 58 lead, like this game, there's like Indiana kind of took over from there. Like that was a huge momentum swing. What if that momentum swing doesn't happen and the momentum swing is on Army's side? Kevin Kuick, I was ready. Like I texted you when they lost to Stonehill. Like I still don't know why they fired Jimmy Allen. And I still don't know why they fired Jimmy Allen. But Kevin Kuick did a great job tonight. Mm-hmm. For sure. Mo- moving forward, just some other stuff to get into from the weekend. Um, another Big Ten disappointment. Maryland goes to Asheville, a tournament they're expected to win handily. And they lose both games. Where is Where are we concerned with this Terps team? And how deep is that concern? It's deep. I'll jump in first. Um, so I was loud in the summer that uh, I thought we were all kind of collectively underrating Maryland somehow because I, to put it point blank, I don't like a lot of the teams in the middle of the Big Ten, and I, I didn't in the offseason either, and especially now a weekend, I, I certainly don't. But I thought that Maryland had both the returning pieces I actually liked, like Jameer Young, but also real reason to believe in upside guys that are new with clear roles that I just thought would make sense immediately. Deshaun Harris Smith has no right hand whatsoever. I was unaware of this until I watched these two games. He is still finding a way to be semi-productive. He had zero points in the first half tonight with foul trouble still ended with, I think 13, um, like he, he's not a bad player by any means, but he's not very smooth within the flow of the offense with the way he gets involved. Like it's almost like we're just going to clear out. He's going to take 20 seconds to somehow drive to his left hand and then get fouled. I don't see that working the way I thought it would. It's a little clunkier with Jameer Young than I expected. And uh, this can apply to a lot of different teams. Jameer Young. Yeah, right, right. This this could apply to a lot of the teams in this conference, uh, my poor little, poor, sad conference. But I think people gave Maryland a lot of credit for Julian Reese and Dante Scott being back as if those guys are really good and has really worked. They're not that good. Like, <laughs> they're not bad, but they're just like, there's a reason that Maryland's never been a great basketball team in their careers. Like, They've been fine in their careers because those are fine players. And uh, in the Davidson game, there was a huge defensive breakdown because Dante Scott just left his man wide open in the corner. That's your fifth-year senior leader doing that. It's an elementary-level freshman mistake. And, uh, yeah, from everything I've seen with my eyes thus far of Maryland, they just are way further behind than I expected them to be. And, you know, the season's young. It can turn around. Deshaun can come on. Jamie Kaiser can come on. But, uh, yeah, it leaves a lot to be desired right now because those teams in Asheville were not that good. Like, Davidson and UAB are not great basketball teams. Those There's are, those are not good losses. Spot three losses. Yeah, those are not They're, good losses. I think UAB will be a top 100 team, and Davidson is a lot better than I expected them to be. But there is a chance that both of those losses turn into quad threes, and that's a concern. Maryland also today went to a lineup of Jahari Long, Harris Smith, Jordan Geronimo, um, Bachelor, and Callum Swanton Rogers. What is that lineup? 
There is zero shot creation. There is not any, there's not much defense either. Like if you're trying to steal some minutes, like at least have one, like one of your top three guys on the court. That's just not going to work. Um, I think I've, I, I've liked a little bit of what I've seen from Jamie Kaiser. Deshaun Harris-Smith has, has been somewhat impressive. He obviously has flaws, but physic- physically, I think he fits. Um, but there's no depth on this roster. Jahari Long, Noah Bachelor, Swanton Rogers. Th- these guys are not Big Ten players, and Willard should have done a better job of that in the portal. And it's the main reason I had them sixth. Most people had them like third or fourth or something like, like fourth. I think most people had them. Uh, I had them sixth. And to be fair, I had Rutgers fourth and they've looked awful. Um, but they also don't have Moat Mog. So yeah. Um, again, I was I would, a little lower I, on I Maryland. Be, I still wouldn't be shocked if Maryland finishes fourth, but right now it's not looking good. Maryland and Indiana play next month. I'm really interested to see what happens there. Yeah, I gave respect to Maryland a little bit because of their starting five. Like, I was lower on them than most, probably. But, like, to think that it could have gone this bad was not something anyone could have seen coming. Their starting five, I still think, is is good enough to, like, compete and win games and like it wouldn't shock me if they get better as the season go, goes along just because Sean Harris Smith and Kaiser get more comfortable within the system and take those next steps but like like they these these guys that like the lineup that you just mentioned Sam like these guys could have spawned on their roster today and I would have never known like they had no depth in the Yeah because I called you and like we knew that in June Alan Swanton Rogers guy and you're like I have no idea yeah, dude, I'm like who is this character <laughs> Yeah um anything else on maryland no it's, Ke- it's kevin willard that's my last note on maryland uh it, it, like have we have we not seen enough of this guy like you know what his team's gonna be they're gonna be an eight seed they're gonna be fine that's it yeah. <laughs> one ncaa tournament win in 10 years at seton hall and he yeah needed, and he needed one of the best players in the country to do it mm-hmm and he has one of the best players in the country this year. Jameer Young should be one of the best players in the country. But there's room There's room to grow for Maryland. I think they'll be better than this. I was very impressed with Davidson. Um, this is the lineup that, I, this I, that I was very high on last year. I had them in my top 60 last year, preseason. They had Lawyer. They don't have Lawyer anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, Skogman, Kachera, um, Huffman, Reed Bailey. And they bring in Angelo Brzee from Villanova. Bobby Durkin is the freshman that's looked good. Very impressed. Matt McKillop, he's he's a McKillop. They run great offense. Uh, they should have won today against Clemson. That was – I was disappointed by how they failed to respond after they punched and got punched back. But overall, Clemson, skin of their teeth, two wins, 3-0 and is 3-0, and I guess. Um, like not too much to add there. And UAB, um, Eric Gaines is one of the best players in the country, and we knew that coming in. Alejandro Vasquez, Juco kid, formerly at St. Bonaventure, he was really good today, 14 in the second half. Andy Kennedy can coach. Um, UAB is going to have a lot to say about the NIT picture um, come March. 
And I'm excited to see how this team grows. They have a lot of really fun Juco kids. Um, other things that I noticed this weekend, Chicago State got a big win um, at Southern Indiana. Texas Tech didn't shoot, didn't hit a three until there were seven minutes left against San Jose State, and they won by 15. Um, Iowa State is plowing through these 300 teams that they're playing against. Um, what else did I notice this weekend? Um, Baylor really struggled with Gardner-Webb. Um, Tyson Dagenhart is awesome. Armando Baycott, pretty good at rebounding. Um, what what else did I notice? Oh, are those uh, real rebounds? Are, are are those real rebounds or empty rebounds? Well, he had he, he had a lot of like missed bunnies and offensive boards, but like he also has his fair share of winning actual rebounds. Okay, I I, um, I just want an asterisk on it of like, okay, like I. Uh, 20 rebounds is a lot of rebounds. Not all of them are real rebounds, but like he had a real double double today. Armando is the best 20 rebound in games that don't need him to get 20 rebounds guy of all time. <laughs> yeah. It's um, a good call. Yesterday, yesterday, some things that I noticed um, UConn with Samson Johnson is unreal. Um, Tristan Newton's awesome. That, that, this is a top five team in the country, no doubt in my mind. Cornell on the road, tough environment at Fordham, picks up the win. They were up 27 in that game, almost blew it. Um, Corey Washington is hitting threes now for St. Peter's. Um, that's scary. Frank Mitchell looked awesome in that second half for Canisius against St. Bonaventure. Um, Tristan Enaruno with a big game for Cleveland State. Ahmad Henderson is awesome, but Bucknell, that's a bad loss for Niagara. Um, Houston is Houston. Creighton is Creighton. Ashworth is obviously awesome. Um, Wilmington, big win on the road at Asheville. Um, Kerry Booth looked good for Notre Dame, but they have a lot of work to do. They lost to Western Carolina. Um, anyone else have anything to add from this weekend? Yeah, real quick, um, as the, the Valley guy here, um, Bradley – Outside of James Madison, Bradley had the best week of any mid-major in the country. They won at UAB uh, uh, on Monday, and then yesterday they take out uh, Utah State at home. It didn't really get the best out of any of their three best players either. Like, Leon's wasn't fantastic. Hannah played well late in the game and in overtime, but not super well in the first half. And then Duke Dean looked really overmatched. Hickman gave him 21 and eight rebounds, four assists. So not getting a lot from those three and still managing to beat a Utah State team that'll be really competitive in the Mountain West is a good win. All right. Let's get into the meat of the show. Um, it's time for one of the great in-season, um, early season events, pre-feast week. Um, get the Gavit games. Really competitive basketball between two power conferences. There's not a lot of power conference on power conference action at um, that are true home games. You get a lot of that in the Gavit games. And let's start off with the one tomorrow night at Madison Square Garden. We'll definitely have people on here tomorrow night to go over and recap whether that's Henry Eisenberg or um, whoever, whoever comes on to talk about that with us. But 
Greg, your Michigan Wolverines at St. John's at the Garden. Michigan's looked really good this year. They have. I, uh, you know, it's interesting because I do, I do so much of like the day-to-day gambling stuff right now, and it's sometimes hard to separate like that element of how I consume college basketball with just the more pure side of like, I just love this sport and I love to watch it without betting it a lot of times. And, um, I don't know. I, there's this weird element of like, it's just gotten to a point where they're so interconnected. It almost frustrates me. And I say that because early in this season, Michigan has been like the pinnacle premier play I've given out as a bet both games thus far, because from everything I have seen and everything I have heard from people within the walls of this program and outside of it that have seen this program when other people haven't, this team's way better than anybody realizes. Like I, I knew it before the first game and then I saw the first game and it backed it up. And then I saw the second game and it backed it up even more and they're still being valued in the market as if they're the team that was picked 11th in the Big Ten, half the time 12th in the Big Ten behind Nebraska. Like that was a real thing that happened this offseason is real people that cover this conference said this was the 12th best team in the Big Ten, as if they didn't know what Olivier Conwell just did in the NCAA tournament. Like it's baffling to me. Um, and I get the questions. I understand why there were concerns. But Doug McDaniel's very good right now. Olivier Kahn was very good right now. They're old. Namari Burnett has been a part of two elite defenses in his career, and now he has a real role, and it's a connecting, smart little role that doesn't ask too much of him. Terrace Reed looks great. Like, this team's top four are really, really good, like caliber-wise. Stack that up with good teams' top fours. Those four guys map up with, like, the 15th-ish best team in the country right now, in my opinion. And uh, I get that this isn't a neutral site game by any means, but I think Michigan's far ahead of St. John's. I think there, there's an element of Michigan's team right now that actually is a, a group of guys who have played together that have some of the Michigan culture to them, even though it wasn't great last year. But like Doug McDaniel and Terrace Reed are the core of this team. Kamwa and Namari Burnett get to fit in and add what they do and help. St. John's is just a collection of guys and they're good players. They're talented players. Don't get me wrong. But if you watch what they did in their scrimmages and their exhibitions before the season started, it was really, really underwhelming from St. John's. Give them credit in game one when the lights were on, they got a win. It was a sizable win, but I think there's a big step up in competition here. And I think it's going to show that Michigan has a little bit more of an identity as a basketball team right now than I think Jordan Dingle and Chris Ledlam, and Soriano have. Um, so we'll see. We'll see if I'm wrong. I know there's going to be a moment soon where Doug McDaniel just shoots like two for 17 from the floor and it all comes crashing down. I don't think in Madison Square Garden is going to be the moment that we see that. I would bet more on Doug McDaniel having a special welcome to my world moment in the garden than I would the opposite. Yeah. And St. John's against Stony Brook and Stony Brook was really good in both of their scrimmages. They blew out Mac teams and they have some active defenders, but St. John's shouldn't be turning it over 15 times against them. Um, St. John's shot really well, but they turned it over 15 times. And against Michigan, which is a much, which is, I mean, Stony Brook's really athletic for, for the level that they're at. Even, even they're probably a mid middle of the pack to bottom CAA team, but they're pretty athletic. Mido and Snotty 
um, Stevenson Moore. Those are those are some those are some good athletes. But um, you look at what Michigan brings to the table; they're pretty athletic too. They they have length. Um, obviously, McDaniel's not long, but the rest of that team is pretty long, athletic, strong. A lot of strong athletes in that front court too. Um, Terrace Reed's strong. Kamala's strong. I think it could be tough for Ledlam and Soriano um, on the boards compared to what it was against Stony Brook. And Michigan has been hitting so many shots to start the season. McDaniel's been great. Will Cheddar's been great off the bench. What was he, eight for eight? Crazy. Well, what was yeah. the stat you texted me, Jonathan? Um, Michigan's power forwards had – Oh, Michigan's, pow- Michigan's power forwards on Friday didn't miss a shot. They, yeah. they were 15 for 15 combined, I think. Yeah. yeah, insane. And I do think Danis Jenkins and Jordan Dingle, uh, I, I Danis Jenkins in general, probably like he's got five or so inches on Doug McDaniel, and those are both excellent ball players. That's going to be one of that's going to be the matchup that I'm watching in this game. Danis Jenkins and Doug McDaniel. Danis's first game at the Garden. I'm really excited to see what he can do. Um, watched him all of last year um, at Iona. Uh, think he's think he's gonna be awesome for St. John's and Doug McDaniel has looked like an all Big Ten caliber point card so far this season. This is gonna be a really good game and kind of before um, before the season started, I was pretty low on Michigan. I mean, I had them 11th, and now if you ask me right now, they're probably like third or fourth. Who'd you have 10th? Did you did you have was it Nebraska, Penn it State, was, Minnesota? Was it was Iowa. I, I had I had Penn State ninth. Good. I like I like. Oh Penn whoa! I like Penn State. Wow. Why? I mean, I like Mike Rhodes. I like Ace Baldwin. I think uh, Clary's really good. They have some experienced transfers in the front court. Um, I think they brought in a bunch of a bunch of solid pieces in the back court as well. And I mean, it's I saw a clear identity with them, while I didn't quite see that with like a. With like your Michigans and Indianas, okay. I mean that's that's fine. I've just made it my personal mission to hold every person accountable that picked Penn State, Minnesota, or Nebraska ahead of Michigan. Yeah, I have Minnesota fourteenth. Um, okay, I would be one of those people as well then. Yeah, I mean we got to hold you accountable. It is what it is. Like what's the, no, if, and that's if, fine. If Michigan plays Penn State tomorrow at Madison Square Garden, what's the score of that game? Oh, Michigan's winning by like fifteen. Yeah, Michigan by fifteen. As I said, Michigan has been. In my opinion, probably the most impressive relative to expectations team in the country. I think that's very fair, and I respect that. I just got to do my job and hold you boys accountable. That's all. Thank you for playing my game. It's fair. The oh, only no, thing, I, the only thing I really have to add here is I feel pretty good right now about picking Olivier Kamala to be all first team Big Ten. So yeah, you you had that. Um, you you were big on that. I'll give you that. And we, so do we all have Michigan winning this game? Yeah. Yeah, I do. All right. Um, Purdue and Xavier. I saw somewhere Xavier's like an 18 point underdog. Like, I know that it's Purdue and it's at Mackey, but that feels like a big number. Yeah, it does. Um, my whole thing with Purdue right now. I love them. I think they're great. I think they're going to be a Final Four team. I'm all in on the redemption arc. I don't have many concerns, quite frankly. I think Braden Smith took a leap already, and he didn't even need to take a leap. I think he was really good, but he took a leap. Um, I 
I don't know how much Purdue cares about like blowing teams out this year. I think they're much more concerned with like keeping everyone happy, getting Caleb first and Trey Kaufman ran some minutes so that those guys don't hit the portal. Um, like there's just a lot. This seems super deep. And last year it was like, they didn't know how good they were going to be. So let's play Zach Eady 34 minutes a game and see what happens. And then it became like, Oh, he can win national player of the year. Let's get him national player of the year numbers. And this year, I think with the way their season ended, they've learned like, we shouldn't care about any of that crap. We should just care about making sure this team's firing on all cylinders in March. They're going to beat Xavier. Like they, they just are. I think they could play this game a hundred times and they would win it 99 times out of a hundred. Um, I, I don't think they care if they win by five or if they win by 30, quite frankly. So for that reason, from a betting perspective, I'm staying away from Purdue early in the season and I would advise others to do the same, but I don't think there's much to talk about on the court because Purdue just across the board is, is way ahead of where Xavier's at. I totally agree there. And this is not through none of Xavier's fault. Sean Miller put together, a team assuming that they would have Zach Fremantle and Jerome Hunter, and they don't. Um, Xavier's going to be fine. They're going to be a solid Big East team. They're going to flirt with the tournament. They're going to be on the bubble. But this is one of the best teams in the country with Purdue, with one of the best, um, with, with one of the better coaches in the country, in, in Matt Painter, with the best player in the country, in Zach Eady, and a backcourt that looks a good deal better than it did last year, uh, Smith and Lawyer. Both look better, I would say. Um, I the one the one guy for Purdue that I am just unbelievably like not necessarily excited, but like very intrigued by and want to see take and, and want to see like him live up to some of the buzz that I've heard is Miles Colvin, the freshman. There's been a lot of buzz on him this offseason. I wonder when his like breakout game is going to be. Um, he's had eight points in each of the first two games, and that's good performances. He's played 14 minutes a game, and I, I want to I want to see him at some point before Big Ten play, like have a breakout game, and make it hard for Painter to keep him off the court. Yeah, only thing I really have to add here: Xavier's pretty thin in the front court, and in terms of actually on the floor, I don't know if Xavier has the guards that'll like be able to speed Purdue's guards up when. Good Xavier's guards, defending like Xavier's guards can play fast, but like defensively, I don't think they're all that great. I agree. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I do too. Um, I like Dalen Swain at Xavier. Um, I think Greg's frozen. Oh, my back! Can you hear me? Yeah, yeah I can hear you. I uh, sorry. Yeah, I uh, I was just gonna respond to the Golden point quickly. I was really high on him in the off season. I thought like. Again, to my point about Deshaun Harris-Smith, like there was a clear path for him to have a big role and upgrade Purdue from where they had Ethan Morton last year. I am very concerned about the three and the four to a lesser extent spot for Purdue. The three is like scary to me right now because Colvin and Heidi and Lance Jones, who's currently starting at the three, are all guys to me that like have looked great in garbage time type games. Like when the team's already up 20, then they get some numbers. They haven't really impacted the game prior to that. And it's the, it's a small sample size and produce up 25 minutes into the game. So harder to do that than not. But uh, Colvin to me is not a guy that on paper is going to be ready right away, which is not what I expected in the summer. And that is a little bit scary because I think Painter is forced to go to his six, one guard transfer 
who shot 28% from three last year. I don't like that formula. Like I don't, I don't like three small guards, one of whom is not a great shot maker from three. And Lance Jones is a great defender and it was a necessary pickup for playing a role in big 10 play. I'm kind of giving them a different look in the backcourt than just Smith and lawyer, but playing Smith lawyer and Jones together is not the situation that Matt Painter wanted to play out. I think Purdue will win this game, but again, as you said, Greg, it could be by five. It could be by 30. There won't be a difference. Yeah. Same. All right. A really, really fun game that I'm looking forward to is Providence and Wisconsin. Um, Providence is one of the really interesting teams because so much ter- so much um, turmoil in the offseason with uh, Ed Cooley leaving, but they bring back their two top players. They bring back Jaden Pierre as well. Garway Duval is still in that program. And then they bring in a bunch of really good transfers in Aduro and um, ticket gains. And then there's Wisconsin, who basically brings back the lineup from last year plus – AJ Store, who we've both been super high on, and he looks the part so far. Uh, where do we stand on Wisconsin Providence at the dunk? Uh, I could start on this one because I had eyes on Wisconsin Friday night against Tennessee. I watched that game end to end. I was overall like pretty impressed by them. I think they do a really good job playing at their pace. Wall still does a tremendous job getting to his spots. AJ Thor really, I think, can take that team to another level because he gives them a player athletically that they haven't really had and definitely didn't have last year. And, you know, he shoots it well from the outside, too. So, real, a really versatile offensive player. A Seijin, like, he, he's he hurt. Was, he, he was hurt. He played, but he, like, didn't look all that healthy. It's going to be interesting because I think the front court matchup between. Hopkins and Wall and then Crowell and Josh Oduro will probably decide this game. Yeah, and I think Hopkins should have his way with Wall, and I think that's kind of Bryce Hopkins being one of the most underrated players in the country. I mean, for some reason, like, people don't see him as this, like, top 10, 15 player in the country that he is and that he was last year and that he's going to be again this year. But Overall, this is going to be a close, I I think a really close game down to the wire. And Wisconsin's really good. I think they, they looked really competitive against who I think is the number one team in the country right now in Tennessee. Um, AJ store can create his own shot really well. That's something that they lacked last year, but this is going to be, this is the first big game of the Kim English era at Providence. That crowd is going to be juiced up. They have the best player in the game. They have um, they'll they'll put Devin Carter out there, and he's a little small to guard store, but um, we've we've seen we've seen what he can do to some of the better guards and wings in the Big East, and he won't shy away. Garway Duwal won't shy away. That's a guy who's physically ready to guard store as well, and I think that Providence comes out on top in this one. I like that pick. Um, So uh, broader thing for me on the Big Ten and how it applies to this game, then I'll get to Wisconsin specifically. I was looking at the matchups of this, and I think it's really easy to go game by game and like 
talk yourself into the Big Ten should win this event. Um, part of that is that I think some of the biggest underachievers so far that just don't look like what we expected from the offseason from the Big Ten aren't playing in this. There's only eight teams playing, and for whatever reason, luckily, they took some of the better ones right now. Like Purdue's here, Michigan's here, uh, Michigan State's obviously here, also, and Illinois is here. Yeah, also, it, everybody, the best team in the Big East isn't playing. Right, right. Like it just, if, if you were hand selecting this to try to give the Big Ten an advantage, there you go. It, everything's good on paper. With that said, I don't think it's going to be that easy. Like I, I, I think on paper, it's easy to be like Big Ten 6-2. And there's going to be some games the Big Ten loses because the Big Ten is very underwhelming right now. That includes pretty much everybody except Purdue, even my Michigan Wolverines who have looked great. Like I'm expecting a crash down to earth moment at some point here. And Wisconsin has looked good. I was impressed with elements of their game against Tennessee. Also, that was a home game at the Cole Center that truly, to me, never felt like it was in question. Um, I know it was tied at, at various moments in the game. Tennessee like, didn't trail. They, yeah, they didn't trail. And even when like Wisconsin would like cut it to six, and then the ball would find Tyler Wall, and he would go to the free throw line and miss the front end. Like it just. It dawned on me in the middle of that game that even though AJ store is here, the ways that Wisconsin wants to win the game and like their, their deficiencies that were so loud last year when they missed the tournament still exist. And I think it's great that store is shooting 20 times in a game right now. That obviously bodes well that there's a new element to this team until we see him and a season on the floor together. It's basically AJ store just took Connor a spot. And that's not a significantly better team. That's like Connor Seijin was already pretty good. So, like to me, you wanted a breakout from a Seijin and AJ Store to get a lot better. And right now, that's just not happening because of a Seijin's health concerns. So, um, I do think this is a game where like maybe Wisconsin has a little bit of a stinker, maybe just a crash back down to earth moment that we've already seen from teams like Maryland in this conference and Indiana to an extent. Um, tough place to play, as you said. They don't have the best player on the floor. That's that's Bryce Hopkins. So I'll ride with the Friars on this one to get a big win. Also, something to note, last time A.J. Store played against Providence at the Garden, um, St. John's won 73-68. Store had 15 points on 6 of 11 shooting. Um, that was one of his better games last year at St. John's for sure. And it was a game that I remember saying, like, just I remember, like, tweeting out, Live bet Providence, there's no way St. John's holds on. <laughs> and St. John's held on. Um, overall, though, Hopkins is Hop Hopkins is gonna be this this is a Bryce Hopkins drops 30 type game. Yeah, Wisconsin just doesn't match up with him athletically in the in the front court at all. No, they, they do really don't. Um Marquette and Illinois is a really fascinating match. I mean, they're all fascinating matchups. <laughs> Mo at least most of them are. Marquette, I'm excited for this one, though. Yeah, definitely excited for this. At In Champaign, first big test for a Marquette team that got an absurd amount of offseason hype. Um, I was a little lower on Marquette. Jonathan, you were as well. Yeah. But I mean, they're still this. This is they're still one of the best teams in the country. Illinois is also a team that they beat Kansas in that exhibition. They looked a little shaky against Oakland, but this this matchup is going to be exciting. 
Yeah, all I Go ahead, Greg. Go ahead. Okay. Yeah. So I, uh, I, I, yeah, this is the game of the event for sure. Um, also one that back to my point on like, I think the big 10 might drop one. You don't see coming. This is the critical one for the big 10 to have a chance to win this one. Um, Illinois is in my opinion, the second best team in this conference right now, no disrespect to Michigan state, but I think, uh, d- what we've seen defensively from Illinois is significantly ahead of anything we've seen from Michigan state through two games in an exhibition. Uh, Brad Underwood is always a great coach in the regular season. And I I think even though Illinois has trailed early in games, they've already shown that they're a bright lights team. Uh, They've been that in the non-con for a number of years now, but I mean, they had all eyes on them on ESPN against the number one team in the country a week and a half ago. And they were the better team than Kansas for the entire game. So I uh, I like Illinois here. I think we're going to get Illinois' A game. And I think, it, quite frankly, I, all due respect to Tyler Kolick and all the vets on Marquette, if Terrence Shannon is at his best, I think he's the best player in this game. He needs to be at his best. Uh, but I, I think there's no reason to expect anything different. I don't think Marquette has a great matchup for him. Like, they've kind of got the small guards. Um kind of small front court as well. Like when you hear the rumblings that Michigan manhandled their front court in a secret scrimmage, like I I do think there's a world where Illinois can kind of get what they want at the rim in this game. And uh, the latest is that Tyler Kolick is banged up, right? So we, we may not get Kolick at a hundred percent. And if Kolick's not at a hundred percent, we saw how that went in the NCAA tournament when he came up against Michigan state's backcourt. So I like Illinois to get a critical one here. But uh, I feel I do feel stupid in saying that out loud because if there's one game I'm going to be wrong on here, it's probably Illinois against Marquette. <laughs> yeah, and I, I I see your point with Marquette having no matchup for Shannon. I mean, what do they do? Do they toss David Joplin on him? Do they toss Cam Jones, who's giving 25 pounds? Chase Ross is giving 20 pounds, um, and Terrence Shannon is not shy about using his strength. That's probably his best asset as a driver it, it just his pure strength as a guard and at that size and if Kolek's banged up and tough road environment against a team that has been really impressive so far in two of the three games that they've played on television I mean it's not hard to go out there and pick Illinois and I don't really have a response that makes me say I'm going to pick Marquette aside from Illinois three point shooting is not very good. I know they brought in a couple guys uh, trying to change that, but it's still not great. And I don't really think it's a great matchup for Marquette. I kind of think Illinois has the advantage there and for that reason, I'm going to go with Illinois. I just think they have so much size and athleticism that Marquette just, especially without Omax, they don't have that level of athleticism. Yeah. Uh, I think Coleman Hawkins could be really interesting in this one. I talked a little in the offseason about how like losing Omax is probably bigger than people realize. And like, I also talked about how Oso Iguodaro is a versatile defender that can switch onto smaller guys and guard fours and fives. When you have Dane Danger on the floor, like he has to guard him. Marquette's not going to have a choice because Danger will 
be able to pretty easily back down anyone else Marquette puts on him outside of Iguodaro, and he backs down most people in the country. So I think Coleman Hawkins has a really if he if he gets going and this is one of the games where he's hot, I think Illinois takes this one. Yeah, I mean, again, I think there's a I mean Marquette could just shoot the lights out. Marquette's the much better shooting team. They have I mean, Kolek's a great shooter. Cam Jones is a great shooter. And just as a whole, if Marquette comes out, hits six threes in the first 10 minutes and is up 27-16, would anyone truly be surprised? No. In fact, I'd like to officially change my pick because all three of us picking Illinois is 100% a sign that Illinois is not going to win this game. Give me Marquette. <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's definitely a fair a fair assumption there. Moving on to when it, when Illinois that, wins, Greg, we'll make sure we'll we'll clip the part of you saying that you're picking Illinois. Yeah, <laughs> yes, you can do that. That's great. That's yeah. now I've covered both my bases, right? That's a good yeah. thing to do with Illinois fans always. Yeah, um, <laughs> I remember I saw that um, that tweet that you posted when they played Kansas. It was like Sleepers Media already hating on Illinois, and then the other tw- the other tweet was like, "Why are you so biased? To, why are you so biased for Illinois? Your Big Ten shill." <laughs> It's... Yeah, I it, I have a very love-hate relationship with Illinois fans because, like, there's a lot of good ones that are very kind to us, and somehow we've struck a chord with that that fan base in a good way. Like, they watch our videos, and we enjoy it a lot. Um, at the same time, like, I've, I've just never had so many people loud that they hate me as when, like, I make a joke at Illinois' expense. But you got to realize I make jokes at everybody's expense. Like I, oh, yeah. I'm literally, I'm body languaging Indiana's team right now. Like it's not an Illinois specific thing. If, if your team hates each other and has bad body language, I'm going to make fun of it. So it's not you. It's me, Illinois. It's okay. And by the way, Keenan Blackshire with 15 first half points, Nevada leads Washington 41 to 30 in Seattle right now at halftime. Last nice. last year, Sam, I think I told you this story. I was at the Northwestern Illinois game at Northwestern last year, and that was a game that Northwestern pretty much controlled start to finish and looked very good in the process, and Illinois looked terrible. There was a point in that game in the second half where I think Jaden Epps committed a foul in the backcourt. Well, like, number one transfer in the Big East, Jaden Epps. <laughs> it was like him it was like Illinois' fourth foul of the half in the backcourt, and Brad Underwood just like turned to their bench and said like something along the lines of like if one more of you, co- the next one of you who commits a backcourt foul is losing their scholarship. <laughs> so. Sky Clark was the next one to commit a backcourt. <laughs> no comment. You teed that one up for me. You teed that one up. Yeah. By the way, he could lose his scholarship again at Louisville. That team sucks. Hey, no Sky Clark disrespect. That's my guy. I want to come on record. Big fan of Sky. It's not Sky's fault. It's never been Sky's fault. I'm not saying it's his fault, but maybe sometimes it's been Sky's fault. <laughs> yeah. Just sometimes, not always, not right it's now. Not all his, it's not all his fault, but yeah, yeah, yeah. If he's the best player, then that's probably not a good thing. Yeah, I mean, you know, he left the program mid-season that like clearly had body language and like maybe culture issues and. You know, joining a team that is going to be below 300 in Ken Palm isn't exactly the place I would go to fix that reputation. So let me ask you this, though. Did did Illinois' body language issues get better when Sky Clark left? No, not at all. <laughs> Again, he was not the only problem. Yeah, but he was also definitely not the solution. It's like the, it's that Michael Jordan meme, right? It's, 
It's that. Yeah. All right. Creighton and Iowa. I we're probably gonna agree on this. And mm-hmm. and also there's like this is there'll be a two, lot of threes hitting hitting this game. A lot of threes hitting this game. Most of them by Creighton. Because Creighton is one of the best teams in the country, and Stephen Ashworth is so good. Trey Alexander's a lottery pick. Baylor Shireman is a matchup is a matchup problem for a lot of guys, and he's also a matchup problem defensively for himself. Um, just so many shooters on the court at all times for Creighton, and they all surround one of the best bigs in the country. I, I've made my argument for Creighton a million times, and. I've been low on Iowa all offseason. And again, I do this every year where I talk myself out of Iowa and then I realize, oh, it's Fran and some random dude is going to show up scoring 20 a game. Um, And (laughs) regardless of whether that happens, Creighton should run away with this one. Yeah, I I think Ken Palm projects this game to be 85-76 Creighton and that somehow still feels low based on what these teams can do offensively. I do think Creighton probably runs away with this one, but more big picture, I'd like to see Iowa play their freshmen more. I really like the two Moline kids, Harding and Freeman. And I think as the season goes on and the more comfortable Fran gets with them, the better Iowa will be as a team. Harding's straight up their best point guard. Like Bowen and Perkins are both score first guys, and I don't think that'll work most of the season. So they're going to have to go to Harding for more minutes eventually. I agree. I think Harding has to be one of their, I think Harding has to be one of their big minute guys come January, February. He looks good though. Right. Like I think there's a clear path to that happening. Um, My hard part is I think when they get to that point in the season, I think like pretty much all of Iowa's best players on this roster, other than Creeke are small, really small, right? Like is Peyton Sanford the four on this team? Yeah, they, I hate that. I hate their four guards. Yeah, that, I hate that. I really hate and, that. And, and Cricky is like six nine. He's not huge. Right. And he's not and like I, a. I honestly kind of think that he's a little. He's gotten a little overrated at times. He's not like a rim protector type at all. Really? No, right? not at all. And that, that's yeah. like that's what, he doesn't have a block this year. He had a he had a two point eight block rate at Valpo. Yeah, I think like look, I was always easy to score on. I think this roster maps to be the easiest Iowa roster to score on in a very long time. And that doesn't bode well, especially when you're playing a team as loaded as Creighton. So uh, if you want to talk yourself into like believing in Iowa in this game, take the over. That would be my advice to you because I don't see, I don't think they're going to stop Creighton at all. Like they could score like 1.5 points per possession in this game. I wouldn't be surprised whatsoever. Yeah, and create they there is nothing like Trey Alexander is gonna go for 30. Like, yeah, I, I'm super confident that I mean Trey Alexander could end up coming out of December as like a national player of the year candidate. I mean, this is such a great matchup for him, and it's gonna be like a marquee game on their schedule. And like they have Loyola Chicago coming up. What what tournament is that? That's um in Kansas City, uh, but like they have, they have a bunch of matchups coming up that are really interesting. And like, if he plays, if he plays as well as I think he can, like he'll be in the All America conversation entering Big East play. Um, Creighton, they're a top three team in college basketball. 
Dirty. They are going to have no issues with Iowa. I think that's totally uh, fair. Oh, this one's going to be fun. A former Big East battle between Rutgers and Georgetown, who lost to Holy Cross. So I tweeted today, and I don't think we need to spend too much time on this one because this is probably the worst game of the challenge. Um, but like, I, this is what I tweeted today. Not that it's excusable for Rutgers to be playing like this, but they are not good without Moat Mog. We learned this last year, and like, he's hurt right now again. So, plain and simple, they need him back. They're just, yeah, they're just not an NCAA tournament caliber team without him. I mean, they're still pretty solid defensively without him. I mean, they held Boston to 45 and Bryant to 57 and 72 possessions. Um, Georgetown is honestly probably not that much better than Bryant, which is kind of a problem. <laughs> but um, Rutgers should be able to muck this game up, play physical. And I mean, Gavin Griffiths, was what two for 11 today if he shoots better than that Rutgers should win this going away like by going away for Rutgers that means like 13 points 62 to 49 but like at the rack they're not losing this game this is although I do see a path for Georgetown if Jaden Epps plays like the Jaden Epps that he reportedly was in the secret scrimmage against whoever that was, Wake Forest, right? Mm -hmm. Then there's a chance for Georgetown. But it's going to be tough because Rutgers will throw different matchups at him. They'll If if he's starting to play well, they won't have Fernandes in the game. They'll just – they'll concede a little bit offensively to go with like a Simpson-Hyatt. Um, a Simpson-Hyatt – um Griffiths, um Amori and like Wolfolk or something line up just just to get some length in there defensively. They they're they'd be totally willing to do that just to stop Jaden Epps because they know that there's really nothing else that Georgetown can bring to the table. What does Rutgers bring to the table right now though? Identity. Okay. I can buy that in theory. I can't buy it based on anything we've seen them actually do. Um, this team's a lot worse than they I thought they would be, right? You said you picked them high. Like, I, I just – I had expectations that the fact of the culture and returning Cliff and adding Griffiths and a belief that Derek Simpson could break out meant something. I honestly talked myself into, hey, they lost Spencer and Mulcahy. Maybe that's a and blessing for guys. And, and McConnell, right. But, like – you knew losing McConnell was going to hurt because I, I liked what he brought them no matter what. I thought there was an argument that they could lose Spencer and Mulcahy and get better because I, I thought, honestly, it kind of drained them offensively trying to play through those guys who in ways limited them, even though they're good players, right? Um, the, the truth is Derek Simpson's not ready at all. He, he's playing 19 minutes a game right now and looks just not ready at all, for lack of a better word. And uh, if the guy who's supposed to be your engine is not ready at all and you're – a Steve Peichel offense, you're going to struggle and be really, really bad. So like by default, that means anyone they play can beat them, 
including Georgetown, because if Jaden Epps does just decide to have a great game offensively, that might literally be enough to beat this team. If Jaden Epps is like, I'm going to get 26 tonight. Easier said than done against a Rutgers defense, but certainly a formula that could work. Um, again, I keep back in my mind as we go through these games. The, the Big Ten's going to lose a game they shouldn't somewhere. This is one I've circled that, like, Rutgers should obviously win at the rack, but it's one I've circled because Rutgers, again, I think is a, a threat to lose to anybody anywhere right now, including Jade Epps and Georgetown. Reminder, Rutgers lost at the rack to a bad Seton Hall team last year, 45-43. to 43. Forget, forget Seton Hall. They lost to Minnesota late in the year. Right. They, they lost to Temple in, in a neutral site game. Um, they they play they, they lost to some te- they lose to some teams that they shouldn't every year. And I kind of want to say like Georgetown has a really good chance because they kind of do. But I just think that for Rutgers, like they should have too much just too much physicality defensively for this group. And like Gavin Griffiths, if he hits four threes, they they'll easily win. If he hits three threes, I'm pretty confident they win. If he hits two threes, maybe it's really close. If he hits one or fewer threes, then I'm really concerned. But I, I kind of think like that's the scale for me with this Rutgers team. Right now, at least, with it, it's it's Gavin Griffiths kind of being the X factor, and at this early in the season, do you really want your freshman to be an X factor if he's not like a five star? I'm not sure about that. Just they're not in a good place right now. So, I want, real quick, I want to alert you guys to something. Wednesday night is probably our weakest night of the Gavin games. It's only one, the one game between Georgetown and Rutgers. There are. That Rutgers and Georgetown Ken Palm is listed as the tenth highest game by thrill score on Wednesday night, and we'll get into some of, of that. Of the nine games above them, there is not a single high major versus high major game. Really, let me take a look at what those games are because I'm really interested. And Princeton is going to be awesome. There's only one high major team actually it, that's listed above them, on and it's Boston College. <laughs> So why why does St. Peter's FDU have a higher thrill score than Georgetown Rutgers? I mean, St. Peter's FDU is going to be a hilarious game, by the way. That's one team that wants to play it insanely slow. One team that wants to play it insanely fast. I I, want to see if like Corey Washington's three point shooting is real. Yeah, honestly, that sounds more fun than Jaden Epps, Gavin Griffiths. I mean, yeah, I mean, FDU has some fun guys. Um, they bring back a lot of the group that beat Purdue last year. Uh, Almanor, uh, Munden, Sean Moore. Um, they bring in Joel Emanuel, uh, Bullet Jameson from Stack. And then SPU, I mean, SPU crushed NJIT on the weekend. That was really impressive, I thought, uh, for Bashir Mason's team. I'm, I'm going to be watching that on Wednesday night because – it's the Mac and I have to, um, we'll, we'll get into champions classic a little bit as well later. Um, but we do also have to talk about the other Michigan state game this week where they face off with, uh, Pierre Brooks on the revenge tour <laughs> and the DJ Davis, Posh Alexander, sad Matt, Butler team. Just overall thoughts on this game, Michigan state, 
Greg, I, I want to hear your thoughts on Michigan State right here. I think they should be very concerned. Um, I I had them fluctuating between fourth and fifth in every preseason conversation that we had, depending on um, there were a couple teams that kind of kept inserting them into the conversation. But regardless, I, I knew they were good. I expected them to be good. I was adamant all along that their ranking of top five in the country was predicated on new things that were added to this team that would allow them to take a jump because I've never for one second been in on a core of Madi Sissoko and Malik Hall and AJ Hogard. And I know that's the underselling Tyson Walker and Jay Nakins for their importance on this team. But like we have all the data points we will ever need that Malik Hall and Madi Sissoko playing big minutes on your team means you're not that good of a team. Still a tournament team, still a team that could backdoor their way to a Sweet 16. Top five teams. Backdoor their way to a Final Four. Or that, sure. Like the tournament, tournament's fluky. Weird, weird shit happens. They they have great guards. They have three great guards, so it could happen. They have have one great guard. They have two good guards. Hmm. They have one great, like we can't, yeah, there's people like in our Discord that say AJ Hogarth's an elite basketball player. Like he's not. He's a very good when he's aggressive. Okay, he he's hugely limited. Like his limitations are a huge reason why Michigan State has never been a good regular season team in his entire career, because he he goes cold every like three of every four games he's not there, and then the game that he is there, you're like, wow, if he could just do this every game, he can't do it every game. Where's he been this season? Not oh, here. Like <laughs> so, and that's and Malik Hall's broken. Like he he's worse than he was three years ago. Mati Sissoko is the same guy he's been his whole career, which is a. a Backup center pretending better, starting better center. than Malik Hall. It's better than what Malik Hall's done, right? But <laughs> like, so the whole the whole thing with Michigan State was: is this freshman class actually good enough to elevate them? And I think we've seen good things from Cohen Carr. We've seen good things from Jeremy Fears. We've even seen small good things from Xavier Booker. But the three of those guys are combining for like thirty minutes a game right now. Like they're just, and we knew Izzo was going to do this. I just don't know if he's going to keep it up all season long. So. Um, until that changes, like un- until this group of five vets that, oh, by the way, all three of the times we've seen them on the court has given up a huge run to who they're playing. They gave up a 12 0 run to Southern Indiana. <laughs> like that's oh, so bad. I can't even express how bad that is. That team was horrible. They were down 12, nothing. Yeah. Southern Indiana stretch. today got blown out by Chicago state. Horrendous. And again, 12-0 run against Michigan State's starting lineup. Like it's it was there against Tennessee. They were down 15-1. Uh I forget who they even played in the first game of the season, but it happened over and over. Madison. Yeah. Oh well, Jesus, I should remember that. James Madison. <laughs> James Madison was very, very good. James but... Madison's gonna be ranked in the Goodman top 15 tomorrow. Hey, good basketball team. I have, I have no qualms with James Madison at all. Very good basketball. No, team. they're very good. But yeah. so, I figured this was going to turn into kind of a big picture discussion about Michigan State because even at Michigan State's floor, like they're better than what this Butler team is going to be. My thing about Michigan State in the offseason was, and like we, we did this, uh, we did the song and dance with Indiana two offseasons ago. The th- my thing with Michigan State was if you weren't really high on their freshman class, which I was not, how much better does this group of veterans, like how much better is this group going to get? That that was my, my thing. And like 
in the exhibition, like the second, like I saw Xavier Booker coming into the game after Carson Cooper, like you knew they could be in trouble a little bit because like, if he wasn't going to make a huge impact, like how much of a leap are those guys taking? And of course, Kohler's hurt right now as well. Uh, Cohen Carr's been good. Like obviously one of the most gifted athletes we've seen in college basketball. Angry athlete is what I call it. And so, but like, how much does he do outside of like what athleticism? Jumping really high. <laughs> what, what athleticism gives you? So, yeah, yeah. And like my get, thing, he'll get, he'll get offensive rebounds. He'll get, he'll like he'll catch lobs. You can run sets for him. But he'll run. He'll a, run transition. But as a one for one replacement for Joey Hauser, like really not close. Yeah. And then Jeremy Fears, I like Jeremy Fears, I like a lot. But you're not going to play him over. Walker Hogard. So, like, where does he kind of make the impact for this team? Yeah. And look, you're losing 14 points a game on unbelievable efficiency from Joey Hauser. This is a guy, he would take like 10 shots a game and he would hit like four threes. Um, I think Michigan State on a on their day and th- and with how good Izzo is as a coach, they they can beat pretty much anyone on their day. There's going to be days like Monday against James Madison where there's one guy that shows up. Now, I think as the season goes on, there will be fewer days where one guy shows up. But And, and uh, Greg, you really pushed that panic button really hard. I'm not quite ready to like go crazy hard on it, but I definitely was celebrating a little bit when James Madison beat them. I definitely yeah. thought that it exposed – a lot of the Michigan State things that didn't get better because they're good. They're, they're going to be a great team this year. They're going to be a top 20 team in the country, probably. But they're not markedly better than they were last year. And, like, last year they could have, as I said, they could have backdoored their way into that Final Four last year. They, they were very close to beating Kansas State. They could have beaten FAU that day. Um, like, they could have done it, but they also were just a couple points away from losing the USC in that first round game. Um, there's a wide, wide range of outcomes for Michigan State this year. If they finish as a six or seven seed, which is probably around what will happen, and they lose in the first round, I wouldn't be surprised. But if they turn it on with, if they turn it on, figure it out, and finish as a three seed and make a run, I wouldn't be surprised. I feel like the range of outcomes is a lot wider than people wanted to admit with MSU. Again, I think they'll win this game against Butler, but they have a really tough matchup with Duke on Tuesday before that, that I want to get into after we finish um, the next game. We all have Michigan state beating Butler. Yes. And I do, I do want to say for Butler, by the way, um, Posh Alexander looked great um, the other day. DJ Davis got to the line for 10 free throws. That surprised me. And Bowden Kapke was really strong against SEMO. Then again, that is SEMO, and he's 6'11", so you're going to see that against mid-majors. But I I would watch out for some of these Butler freshmen. Um, Kapke and um, Finn Bizjack are some interesting pieces to watch out for. Butler's a little undervalued, I think, in the Big East this year. They're not as bad as people think they are. And then a game that has really declined in allure over the past three days, Villanova and Maryland. Um, 
I thought this is going to be two of the best starting fives in the country. And I probably still think it is two of the best starting fives in the country, but one starting five is clearly better than the other. With the slate we have Friday, I'm not entirely sure that like if Villanova wins this game, usually people will take a super big note of it. Like they, we, we might have to wait till Atlantis to find out if Villanova is as good as Sam, you and I think they are. Uh, but yeah, I'll take Villanova in this one. And by the way, before we even get to that, Villanova on Monday, they go to the Palestra and they play at Penn. I want to, I'm really fascinated to see how Tyler Perkins, the Penn freshman, who I've mentioned a bunch of times on the show this week, does in that game um, against this athletic Villanova team. What are they going to throw at him? He struggled against Joe's. So I want to see what he does there. Uh, Greg, what do you think about Villanova, Maryland? Uh, I think someone will win the game. <laughs> I agree. There is a 100% chance that someone wins this game. I think it's it's highly likely it's Villanova. I don't think Villanova beating Maryland will tell us much about how good Villanova is. Okay. How good do you think Villanova is? Fringe top 25. Okay. I'm a little, I think we're both a little higher on Villanova than that. I'm as but, high as possibly can be on Villanova. Yeah. yeah it's, I mean, it sounds that way. How high do you have them? I they were my number six overall team in my top 100. Yeah, I'm I'm far from that. I uh, I certainly respect that opinion. I would say the biggest reason I'm not willing to go there is straight up Kyle Neptune. I thought he did a disastrous job last season. Ooh, um, we're big I, Neptune guys here because yeah, I understand. I understand the criticism. Um, I understand the criticism for sure. I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt because of one. He coached under Jay Wright for a very long time. Two, obviously small sample size, but he was really good at Fordham in the year he was there in a, pro, uh, in a program that was a disaster before before he took over there. And then three, obviously they had a ton of injury problems last year. I And I like Neptune a lot. I mean, part of that you could say is because I got to see him firsthand, went to a couple games when he was at Fordham, talked to him there, and was great. And I, but I also watched a lot of Villanova last year, and I thought his game by game game plans were really good. They had good strategies to stop most of the top guys in the Big East. Um, they played the best defensive half on Sonogo that anyone did up to that point in the season. They played, um, they, they handled Creighton. Um, and once Justin Moore got back, there's a reason why people were picking them as a sleeper to win the Big East tournament people still believe in Villanova, even if they don't say it out loud. Yeah, but people were wrong. Yes. Like that's, but, we can't we can't give Kyle Neptune credit for people believing that team was going to turn a corner they never turned. No, no, no. I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm, I'm just saying they were starting to look like the Villanova of old. Were they? They didn't, they didn't turn anything at the end of the year. <laughs> I thought they looked a lot better towards the end of the year when okay. they were healthy. Okay. And, Yes, you lose an NBA player, but you also bring in a couple guys that could be NBA players. Bamba, Hakeem Hart is an is an, is an athlete. Which one of those guys is an NBA player? Bamba's an NBA. Player. I think Bamba's going to be. Hakeem but Hart's will, an NBA athlete. I will take all bets with you that TJ Bamba is not drafted. All right, we'll we'll, we'll come we'll come back to this a little, a little bit. Um, I mean, fine team, fine team, but yeah, I'm not like come on, TJ Bamba. Like what? What are we doing here? He's not. He's really good. He's really good. Um, fine college player for sure. And then um, the depth is actually, I think, a little 
underrated. They, they were guys that were pushed into bigger roles than they really were ready for last year. And like, I, I don't think Hausen and Longino are bad guys off the bench. I just think you don't want them playing 23, 24 minutes a game. I think you can tell how good this Villanova team will be by one specific number. And it's how many minutes is Chris Archie Diacono playing? <laughs> yeah. I, I don't, I don't think you're wrong. And by the way, so far that number seven in two games. That bodes well. That bodes well for you boys. And they were both blowout wins. 8.8% of the minutes. That is considered a bench warmer on Ken Palm. <laughs> I still cannot believe this is a guy that played 21 minutes in a road win at Xavier last year. And that was a really good Xavier team. That's the moment we should have realized not to pick Xavier to make the Final Four, though, which is a mistake I made last year, by the way. But... That, that's hey, what I should. Hey, at least they, hey they, they were right there. Rodney, Rodney Terry coached great in that game. At True. Least, at, at least you can. At least they can hang up there. They swept UConn banner in the regular season. Oh God. Save your fans are. Save your fans are, are a group of people. <laughs> um. So that that does it for the Gavit games, but there's still plenty of other interesting stuff this week that I want to get into. Um, by the way, Nevada up nine on Washington with eight minutes left. Uh, Blackshear has 22, five, and four. Severe Wheeler has 14, five, and four. Um, John, Nate Cal- Palmies, John Calipari was holding back Severe Wheeler. My God. And Keon Brooks. <laughs> Kentucky Northwest. <laughs> All right. Um, some other interesting games this week. I mean, obviously, the first one, the Champions Classic on Tuesday, which – We've talked extensively about the late game, just mm-hmm. the two of us. Yeah, right which, is, which is weird because I'm a fan of the of a team playing in the early game. Yeah, so. Greg, I want to hear what you think about the Kansas Kentucky matchup. Um, just what what are your thoughts on both of those teams right now? Um, I think they're both very good teams. I think Kansas, when they're making threes, is an unbeatable team. I don't think they're going to make threes all the time. But if they're making them, I think they are damn near unbeatable. Uh, Kentucky, I, I really, I think, I think I'm willing to go out on a limb for Kentucky and say I believe in this team more than public consensus. I don't know if that means now versus later in the season as much. Um, like I would expect Kansas wins this game because they're more of a finished product than Kentucky is. But I think this is the type of Kentucky team that Cal has had success with, namely. I think the best players on this team are his freshmen. And I, I think they're ready to be the best players on this team. And he has different options. Not going to be the same guy every single night. But um, I, I like DJ Wagner. I like Justin Edwards. I even like Dillingham. If they can get him in a consistent spot, that's the biggest thing. Like, can he do it every night and not one every four nights? But, um, yeah, I, I like them on paper. I think Kentucky could win this game if Kansas is missing threes and I do think Kansas is going to miss a lot of threes, like throughout the season, I think there will be games that Kansas just makes like two threes as a team and lets a much worse team than them hang around. This could certainly be one of those games. I'm going to be at the champions classic. I'm very excited about it, but uh, I'll, I'll pick Kansas under the presumption that they make six or more threes in this game. Okay. And for me, I mean, look, Kentucky doesn't have one of your yet. 
Kentucky doesn't have. Do we have a counter? We have a counter. Yeah, we have a counter have, for multiple players. We have three counters. We have three counters, and one of them is also playing in this game. And we might get into him in a minute. Um, they don't have him. They they don't have um, Ugana Kingsley. They don't have Aaron Bradshaw. This they they have absolutely no answer for the best player on Kansas and one of the best players in the country. This game, like, it could be over in the first half. Like, I'm not even that high on Kansas. I have Kansas as, like, the fifth best team in the country, and I think that they're going to wallop Kentucky. Yeah, you you hit on the main point that I wanted to touch on. Um, The other thing that I think bodes well for Kansas in this game is, like, Kentucky's freshmen are obviously – like still kind of learning how to play together and still figuring out what their team is going to be in February and March. And with that comes like, all right, who's going to be their, their best players. Who's going to, who's going to be the player that they need to go to down the stretch in games to get them buckets. And like Kansas could, Kansas could really just like stick Kevin McCuller on DJ Wagner and say, okay, we'll take away that one guy. I mean, it's Reeves. That's the guy they got to go to. Yeah, I mean, I would agree, but Wagner hasn't shot the ball fantastic in the first couple games. You know who has shot the ball really well? Mr. Furphy. Yes, he has. Our second you triggered counter. the other counter that 13. we had. <laughs> that's, hey, that's disrespectful to Big Z, by the way. We're going to need to get Zvonimir Visich closer to the other guy who shall not be named. Zvonimir Visich should definitely get more uh, mentions on this program because Vladimir Visich is a really, really good player. <laughs> Let's go get the car. All right, we're up to nine. By the way, we now have um, we now have uh, Caleb Grill really lagging behind here at five. Oh God! <laughs> One of these and... is not like the other. By the way, come yes. on, come on. It's it, it's a it's a bit that we have on this show. Um, that we've kind of been going after for a while. Um, but yeah, there's some fun players in this game. It's it's not just the, the Aussie, but like, I think KJ Adams is going to be a really fun matchup watching him against Justin Edwards. And just that's probably something we're going to see a decent amount of. We'll see McCullough on Reeves. We'll see Dewan on DJ. I just think everything Kentucky can throw at Kansas Kansas has a response and Kansas can also throw things at Kentucky that they have absolutely zero response for. Yeah. Uh, Kentucky drops this one. They moved to one and six in their last seven champions classic games. And wow. by the way, also not a champion since 2012. So yeah, maybe... well, one of the, one of the teams playing in this hasn't won one since like 2001, but <laughs> 2000, I think. Yeah, you might. I think you're right about that. Yeah. So the Champions Classic features one team that has won a championship since I started sixth grade. <laughs> wow. That's crazy. <laughs> that is, wait, is that right? 2015, 16? Yeah, I, I mean, know. I was in seventh grade when Duke won the title in 2015. So, wait. No, that doesn't. I was in. Sorry. Since it, I started, it, it, you fifth, were younger grade, than sixth grade. fifth grade was the year that uh, was was 2016 for me. I think 
because 1415 was fourth. Yeah. All right. It's been um, a while. Yeah. Um, the other Champions Classic game features the Duke Blue Devils and the Michigan State Spartans. I, I teased that we would get into that. Um, Greg, you're going to be there. Just what do you see from Duke? We already yeah, discussed We're in a Duke is. shirt. I'm wearing a Duke shirt. That was not intentional. I just like the shirt. Uh, so I have gone on record in the last week that I think Michigan State wins this game. What I did not realize was that Duke would be off a loss to Arizona heading into this game. I like Michigan State's chances significantly less now that I know they're getting a pissed off Duke and not a sleepwalking. We think we're better than we are Duke. I think both teams are going to come ready to play in this game which means that Duke should win this game nine times out of 10 because Duke is a significantly better basketball team than Michigan State right now. Uh, I don't know what Michigan State's going to do about Kyle Filipowski. Mati Sissoko can't guard him at all. Malik Hall can try. Don't like. I guess you could put Cohen Carr on him. That's a big ask for Cohen Carr right now. Um, Michigan State's guards are going to have to be great. That's the whole story, but... Proctor and Roach are ready for that. Roach is like 22 and has been around the block. Uh, I'm not a Proctor guy. I don't see first team all American with him at all. I see like third best player on a final four team though. Like he's very good. Um, and if he's matched up with AJ Hogard, give me Proctor seven days a week. So um, I'll, I'll ride with Duke, but I don't feel great about that. Cause I really wanted to pick Michigan state in this spot as like the galvanizing come together moment. This team's back. But if Duke's pissed off and brings their A game, they're not winning this game. Now, Jonathan, I know you can't say it, but I will. John Shire coached like shit on Friday. Yeah. Um, Tommy Lloyd ran circles around him. And Tommy Lloyd is a guy that we've we, we really like, but we have we have that one matzo ball with that with him. Um John Shire is gonna be pissed off. Duke's gonna be pissed off. They are probably right now watching some – they're probably watching film right now and diagnosing exactly what they need to do. And they're the more talented team. They're pissed off after losing at home to Caleb Love, of all people. Um, Duke is going to be so ready for this game. They're going to be so juiced up. They're going to come out and they're going to be up like – 12 at halftime or something like that. Yeah, overall, I think Duke matches up really well here. This is a game I've had Duke winning pretty much all offseason. Like, I think it's pretty clear as well that, like, if you don't rebound at, at an elite level, like, like, you need to rebound at a very high level to have a chance to beat Duke. Like, if you can, if you can out-rebounding them is where you will beat them. And we knew that coming into the season – we saw it against Arizona. I don't think Michigan State can actually put that into practice enough to beat Duke. Yeah. I think I'm with you there. Um, Michigan State is good. Duke is a top five, top three team in the country. Even with the loss, they're probably going to rank in, in, in my top five range. Um, actually, I'm going to move – I had – I. I'm going to move UConn up, so Duke will be probably sixth. That's fair right now. Um, maybe seventh because Arizona won the head-to-head. 
Um, but like Duke's a, Duke's one of the best. I had them number one preseason for a reason, and I think they'll get back to that at some point. And I really just think they're going to come out with so much energy. They're going to hit some shots. They're going to go. They're going to be going nuts, and they are going to win this game by double digits. And I, I think it's going to be an underwhelming Champions Classic. Both games will be decided pretty quickly. And I think that's not what State Farm. That's not what they want. Last the year we thing, had the one thing I will say that goes in Michigan State's advantage is I've been to the Champions Classic three times. Yeah, three times, all in Chicago. And, like, when it's in Chicago, and I'm assuming Indianapolis is probably the same way, it's the building's anywhere from 60 to 70% Michigan State fans. Oh, yeah, it's all green. So, that's the one. That's, that is what Michigan State has going for them. We had two awesome Champions Classic games last year. Um, Grady Dick was the difference at the end um, when he scored a bunch of points late. And then whatever the hell that game was between Michigan State and Kentucky. I still can't explain it. Uh, it was an Israel master. <laughs> what, what, what was the shot? That, who, who took that shot? Like Jacob Toppin like, took that shot. At the... yeah, it, was, it was an Izzo master class is what it was. It was a total Izzo master class. I don't – did we have a show like that around that time last year? I have year? no idea. I was pretty disappointed in the way Duke played that night. But, you know, that was – We didn't have a show that night. Year. We might have had a show around then, though. Mm-hmm. Um, what other interesting games are there? Oh, we do have to get into the fact that Syracuse is going to snap the losing streak against Colgate on Tuesday. It will not be three years in a row. <laughs> you guys have lost to him twice in a row? Yes. <laughs> it's like everyone on campus right now is, like – Nervous because they because Colgate gives them PTSD. Well, Colgate doesn't get twenty five open threes in this game like they have. Not a single year. student on campus has seen Syracuse beat Colgate at the dome. That's funny. I'm wait maybe like a grad student. Um, that I mean that's irrelevant. It's still like they've lost to him. Okay, a grad a grad student would have seen it. When Syracuse won seventy to fifty four, mm-hmm. um, but like Jordan Burns was on that team, R- Rappelis even Nowskis was on that Colgate team when that happened. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> like Syracuse has to avenge the demons this year. It's going to happen. It's I believe. I believe that Syracuse will beat Colgate. And. Um, couple teams I want to put on upset watch this week. I, I don't think this is an upset, but Santa Clara is going to beat Stanford at Maples. I don't think that's an upset either. Ken Palm has Stanford as a 12-point favorite. 12? 12. I think Santa Clara was ahead of Stanford in my... Oh, they're, they're definitely ahead of them for me. Especially with Carlos Marshall playing the way that he has. Yeah. Um... Interestingly, Georgia Tech against UMass Lowell, I'll be tuned into that. Actually, I won't be because I'm going to be at the Syracuse game, but I'll be thinking about that. Who else am I putting on upset watch? I'm um, just kind of looking through some games. I don't think that Ryder's going to win, but I think they'll give Nebraska a fight. Duquesne should kill Stony Brook. 
Um, definitely excited to see Lemoyne's first Division One home game tomorrow. Oh, um, Prin- Princeton Duquesne Wednesday night should be fun. Yeah, no, that's going to be great. We'll try and get Jack back on here for that. <clears throat> Greg, do you have any teams that you're putting on upset watch this week? Honestly, outside of Gavit games, no. Um, that like I just I keep going back to I think the Big Ten's going to lose this event like six two which means I just picked five Big Ten teams to win, and three of them are going to lose, even though I think they're going to win. <laughs> well, yeah. what, what I think will be really interesting is, like, the, the big – like, people – casual college basketball fans will, like, see the final of this event and, like, come up with this just absurd takeaway about the two conferences in November when, like, that's clearly not the case. When, the, like, when arguably the best team in the Big East isn't playing. Like, the, the, the matchups aren't even across the board. Like, I'm, I'm always really disappointed by the Gavit game matchups. Like, yeah. Another like- team I'll put on upset watch, um, VCU. They've looked really rough to start the season. They have Radford, who's looked really good to start the season. They, um, they crushed Marshall the other night. That's a Marshall team that crushed Queens. Um, Radford played okay. They didn't crush Marshall, but they were crushing them. Um, um, I'm off there, but I still think um, Radford has a really good chance at VCU. Um, who else am I watching for this week? Um, Arizona State. I'm gonna put on upset watch against UMass Lowell. Arizona State looked completely out of it against Mississippi State. Then they kind of got into a dogfight with Texas Southern. Listen to this, 0.86 points per possession against Texas Southern. This is a UMass Lowell team that just scored 1.14 and 1.28 points per possession. Granted, it was a D3 in Dartmouth, but Arizona State, I don't like what they bring to the table right now. So uh, I don't know if it'll be an upset because Ken UMass Lowell has a chance to make a statement this week. They have two winnable away games against power conference teams. I wouldn't. I, I, I would honestly be surprised if their Ken Palm doesn't go up a good amount this week, like at least ten spots from one thirty-eight. Uh, I don't know if this will end up being an upset because I don't know if they'll end up being favored. But Mizzou has a solid chance of losing at Minnesota on Thursday. Interesting. Um, what makes you say that? Minnesota, I think, has looked pretty good so far. It's been against not great competition, but my fear about Mizzou looks like it's going to be true. They have no alpha, and they don't have a player that they can go to during droughts to get a bucket and get them going again. Yeah, we talked about that on Friday. Mm-hmm. Um, what else is there? Oh, um, I'm really interested in this Texas A&M SMU game tomorrow. That's tomorrow? No, Tuesday, Tuesday. Because okay. SMU um, got some late off-season buzz. They beat K-State in the scrimmage by like 10 or something. And A&M is a team that I'm a little lower on than most. Um, they did just go to um, Columbus and beat Ohio State. That, that's a big win. But SMU could give them a run. That game is in Dallas at Moody. I'm definitely I would definitely think AM is gonna win, but I wouldn't be surprised if SMU gave them a run for their money. 
Yeah, I another think that's... Game. Yeah, you got, what else you got? Another game I'll be locked into... Okay, not locked into, because I'll be at the Syracuse game. But another game I'll be thinking about Tuesday night, Hofstra and GW. GW um, with a impressive offensive performance so far this season. They are the fastest playing team in the country. Hofstra is another team that plays pretty fast. I know they just lost to Princeton, but when Hofstra runs, they run well. They have great shooters. Tyler Thomas um, is a shooter. Bryce Washington is a shooter. Um, they've got great scorers. They've got great pa- – they're, they're just really talented offensively. GW is also really talented offensively. Um, 83-82 is the Ken Palm projection. The number is going to be really high, and whatever it is, I'm – I think it's going to be a high number in that game. I like the um, over. Yeah, I mean the the over might be the the we, we might have like a one sixty five line there. That that that's that could be a tough one to pick the over on, but I wouldn't be surprised if it hits. Hundred percent. Um. What Sam, are, we got anything else or? Yeah, there's there, there's a bunch of other games that are interesting. Because this is college basketball. Every, like, what what was the line that you said, Jonathan? If you want, oh, if you in, want college, in, in basketball. college basketball, in college basketball, if you want a good game, you can find one. Yep, you just you just have to know where to look. Mm-hmm. Today, um, no high major versus high major games, but a whole bunch of really good basketball games. If you knew where to look, because college basketball is the greatest sport in the world. There's nothing that matches it. You can find a game between two teams that are picked in the 300s and it can be really entertaining. Heck, I found that today. Maine is like 280. Merrimack's in the 300s. They played an awesome basketball game. Bud Clark. I, I You knew I was going to get this in, Jonathan. You yeah, knew I was going to get a Bud Clark shout out in tonight. The Philly kid, West Catholic. 5'10", 155. I wrote about him in the Mid-Major Madness preview, saying he was an X-Factor. Jordan Durkak goes down in the first half today for Merrimack. And Bud Clark, 17 of his 19 in the second half. The Warriors go to Orono, beat Maine. Kellen Tynes was shut down by the zone, but he still had five steals. Um what a what a game. That was so fun to watch. Um Greg, I apologize for my co-hosts trying to become Sean Paul 2.0. <laughs> it's okay. I respect the the passion. He's certainly right. College basketball right. is the best. Greg, um, you have anything else to say before you head out? I don't. I appreciate you guys having me. This is fun. You guys are one of the best shows in the sport right now. So uh the more the more I can do this, I would love to and gonna be a fan of you guys all year. Kudos. All Thank right, you. we'll definitely get you on at some point after a Michigan game or at some point for another full show. I'm really excited to see that. And I mean, you guys do great work over at sleepers. We had Carter on for the Michigan state preview. We'll definitely get him on maybe on Tuesday after the champions classic, depending on how that goes. Yeah. You, you know what? If I could request, I'd love to come back on after a Michigan state loss. If I could, <laughs> Okay. let me we, know when we, that could, okay. we could bring both you guys on for sure. <laughs> Oh, Carter loves surprises, actually. So just book him and then hit me up on the side. Yeah, we were thinking about doing that with another tandem on the app. (laughs) One of of these days, we'll definitely do that with um, our friends Tony and Eric. But but, um, we, we will definitely get you and Carter on at the same time at some point, as long as he doesn't see this. 
I, I, he probably will see it, to be honest. He watches everything. So yeah. I know he hit us with a retweet early in the show. Shout out to Carter Elliott. Yeah, shout out Carter. Um, would be a better matchup for Terrence Shannon Jr. than anything that Marquette has. Honestly, true. They're the same size. At yeah, least for- that was what I was going at. All right. <laughs> see you, Greg. Bye, guys. All right. Now, for more mid-major blabbering, yeah, You've come yeah, to the right. This is, this is where you shine. This is where I shine. Also, by the way, the Division Two season has started. <laughs> I'm not going to be getting into that, but Northern Michigan lost today, and I was expecting them to be really good. They have a kid named Max Wisebroad that I'm watching out for. Was really good as a freshman, can shoot the three, can pass. Just keep an eye on the name Max Wisebrod. Clip this and bring it back in March when he's like averaging seventeen and seven, and gonna be an, and gonna be a big pickup in the portal. I don't know. I'm Tyler Harris. The, I'm I'm setting the under at over. I'm setting the over under at twenty seven and a half days until a Twitter account pops up called Celtics Draft Talk. <laughs> No, I'm doing it on this account. I need all my money. <laughs> um, if you want me to, I can. I'll pull up the Valley stuff for this week and go ahead, please. That. Um, but I have some mid-major freshmen to talk about. Yes, um, of course. Tyler Harris, 22 and 12 today. That's my man over at Portland, six eight guard slash wing with some physicality. Can shoot the three. Um, he's shooting. 73% inside the arc and 40% beyond the arc in the two division one games that he's played. Hmm. He is right now Portland's best player. And that's a team that returned Tyler Robertson. Yeah. By the way, um, I know you probably have the box score up Washington about to get picked off by Nevada. Yes. Uh, 28 points for Keenan Blackshear. Very impressed there by the Wolf. Like, Mike Hopkins is back. Like they didn't like, that is, Lucas, that is former future Syracuse head coach Mike Hopkins. Jared Lucas is 3 of 12 and 1 of 6 from 3 in this game, and Nevada's controlled it from start to finish. Um, what else went on today that I want to discuss? That's former Elite 8 participant, Jared Lucas. Oh, there's a kid at Air Force that's been really good. Um, Ethan Taylor, he's a junior. Mm-hmm. Um, play, played pretty well last year, but he's taken his game to a whole new level this year. Last two games for him, 26 points in both of them. Um, 12 rebounds against LIU on Friday, had four rebounds today, three assists. He's hit 13 threes in three games this year, and he's shooting 38% on them. Ethan Taylor from Houston at Air Force. Noted. Um, James Madison, They're, are they going to be in the top 25 tomorrow? No, but they'll be close. They will receive plenty of votes. They will receive votes for sure. Uh, Victor Lakin had 26 and 11 today for Cincinnati. That is a guy that really broke out um, last year for the Bearcats and the American. It's going to be a solid piece in the Big 12. Um, um, Purdue Fort Wayne improves to 3 and 0 with a win over AM Commerce today. Rashid Bello um, with 29 and 4. Really impressive. Stuff there for the Mastodons who've exceeded expectations. Um, Deshaun Thomas, by the way, for um, for Montana, the former Colorado State player, 
um, had a big game today in Montana's win over UC Davis. Mm-hmm. That is now UC Davis, who beat Pepperdine by one after coming back with Jim Les at the helm and Eli Pepper over there. What else did I notice this weekend? Oh, Michael Ajayi, Juco kid from Washington Pierce College. Um, 18 points, 14 rebounds on Thursday against UC Davis. 27 points, 11 rebounds today against Lafayette. Um, been really good for Pepperdine. Um, by the way, um, I go on real quick, actually, because I want to make sure I get this right before I say this. Charles Thompson had 14 and 10 today for Towson, who had four players in double figures in a win over Robert Morris. That game was closer than it should have been. Shout out to Justice Williams, who was good for Robert Morris. I definitely was surprised there. And Grand Canyon is the greatest show on hardwood right now. 89-55 winners over Northern Arizona. Um, Sidney Curry had 17. Ray Harrison only needed 12. Colin Moore had 12, was Ken Palm game MVP, had a half-court shot at halftime buzzer. It was awesome. Um, Ray Harrison, uh, sorry, Ty and Grant Foster had a transition three after a massive block by Curry. Um, Grand Canyon is one of the most exciting teams in the country. Blew out Northern Arizona after starting down 10 to 1. From that point forward, 88 to 45. They blew him out. Mm-hmm. So um, I do have the story right, um, and I do want to share it. So you watched um, the UC Davis game Friday, right? Yes. So the kid who was making all the plays for them at the end of the game, Ty Johnson, Yeah. Um, he's going to be a really good player this year for UC Davis. He's from Chicago, played at DePaul Prep, was arguably the best team in the state his senior year. In May of 2021, he was shot in the, and was was grazed in the back of the head and, th- like, thankfully survived, thankfully, not, like, was able to recover. But an unbelievable story now that this kid is going to just tear up the bi- Big West this year. Yeah, definitely excited to see what Todd Johnson can do in the Big West. Um, what else happened yesterday? Um. I mentioned Cleveland State getting that big win over Ohio. That was impressive. I did not mention Long Beach State beating DePaul. No, that was funny. A shout-out, by the way, Jaden Daughtry for Marist coming into his own. He had 11-8, two blocks, three steals, as the Foxes took out UMBC yesterday. Um. Yeah, do you want me to give my, my Valley – stuff now for this week some thoughts on the valley go ahead okay so um overall like obviously bradley was the the standout this week picked up two key wins uh this week you know in the opener monday um interesting one to get us started missouri state's gonna host oral roberts tomorrow missouri state a team that had west virginia on the ropes and went cold down the stretch in the second half okay uh, last Monday, so they'll get a chance at redemption tomorrow uh, in that game against Earl Roberts. Elsewhere, um, we got Murray State Western Kentucky on Tuesday. Um, Loyola Chicago going to host UIC in a battle of Chicago. That's two. That's Tuesday night as well. A lot of 
Um, Evansville, actually, want to want to shout out them. Two and zero start. Yes, for, shout out Evansville for the Purple Aces. Uh, at, terrible year last year. Rebuilding program, obviously. So no panic there. But two and zero start. They knocked off Miami, Ohio, and then a believe a Division two opponent that I cannot quite remember right now. Um, Southern Illinois got a notable win this week. Yeah, they be they killed Queens. That's right. Um, yeah, they killed them. Totally killed them. Sorry. They'll get Chicago State on Thursday. Uh, Missouri State then had Missouri State interestingly because they're playing in Paradise Jam the next weekend. So they'll get they'll get Florida Gulf Coast to open that in the Virgin Islands. Belmont's at Arizona Friday. Uh, Belmont, a team that's obviously notable. They lost um, on Friday to Furman. Got blown out. Uh, impressive from uh, Bob Ritchie's team. JP McGee's 23-9-9. Nine nine. I think I mentioned that on Friday. Yeah, and then um, I'm seeing if we got anyone else. And yeah, Drake plays in the Cayman Islands Classic. That starts Sunday. They'll open with o- Oakland. That's a tournament they should probably be favored to win. By the way, has Drake played? Since yeah, they played Lipscomb on Wednesday. Yeah, uh, slow played- slow first half, high-scoring game. No, 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 I know. I watched the game. Yeah. Have they played since? No, they have not. When do they play next? Um, they play midweek. So they play Southwest. I believe I think this is Southwest Minnesota State on Tuesday. Man, I can't believe they don't play Southwestern Assemblies of God. <laughs> oh yeah, need, and then, uh, need, the one other game, the need, one other notable game that I didn't mention that will take place in the Valley this week is Northern Iowa going to head down to Tampa on Sunday. By the way, South Florida. It is now time for the for the MTE. Of MT of all MTEs, we have to talk about the all-time great non-D1s playing this week. McNeese with two in a row, two days in a row. On Monday they host Champion Christian. On Tuesday they host Le Tourneau. Good for them. I'm just waiting for that Mississippi University woman game, <laughs> December fifth. December fifth. Yeah, I mean. That is marked on my calendar. By the way, champion Christian, who plays McNeese tomorrow, plays Grambling on Tuesday. Wow, loaded schedule. By the way, you can't see it because uh, I'm not top 25 Grambling. You can't see it because I have my computer not facing it, but you're just going to have to trust me on this one. I have a a countdown going up on my wall over there for the uh, McNeese and Mississippi University for Women game. It's, it, it's a countdown on my wall. I rip off a piece of paper every day. I, my computer's not facing it, so you're just going to have to You have to post that and tag our friend Tony Patelis. Of course. Maybe I should buy a – maybe I should buy a whiteboard for my kitchen and just, like, hang We've it up. The University of Science and Art at Texas A&M Commerce on Wednesday. Fortunately, unfortunately, not the Academy of Art, who – Took out UC Davis last year. Yes. That might have been two years ago, actually. There is Valley City State University. Which valley? What city? What state? You're you're gonna have to find out. They're they are taking on North Dakota on Thursday in Grand Forks. And then shout out, by the way, shout out Dalton Thomas from the Palm Springs Power, the second baseman. His University of St. Catherine takes on Cal State Bakersfield on Thursday at 2 p.m. 
Yes, I got a Palm Springs power shout out. I, I, I found I found another one, by the way, that you're gonna like. Go, give it to me. Uh, on Wednesday, um, Coppin State playing against a school called Louisville. Oh no! Oh no! <laughs> they There's might no have all chance been. Louisville wins that game, right? Huh? There's no chance that Louisville team wins that game, right? If Louisville does win that game, it'll be their first time with a winning record since hold on since like january since january 19th of 2022 no since last week oh that's true i'm just an idiot <laughs> yeah um we're not done yet by the way this has been going on for too long this, this is the best part of the show we, we cover 362 and apparently more because we're talking about <laughs> on two friday months. cal state and northridge who by the way watch out for brian ninjongda the freshman um, they take on Life Pacific, who played Southern Utah last week, and I watched that game. You're going to um, you you are going to say so many names on this show <laughs> because of the resources you have now that you're going to text me in January and be like, "Hey, remember remember this kid that I told you about?" And you just pull up some random podcast clip from November twelfth and. I'm going to be like, no, Sam, I was thinking about Johnny Furphy when you were talking. About yep. Okay, <laughs> there we go. 14. I am still a little bit pissed off at what Greg did to their to our counter. Hey, he's just trying to level the playing field, all right? Yeah, just, how are you leveling the playing field? We're the world's biggest Furphy fans. No, Nobody will ever be Mr. Furferson. So. <laughs> I love that we gave him that pet name for no reason. <laughs> he was good the other day no he was good against my jaspers my mac i right, didn't watch you got? i didn't watch a second of that game what else you got any eighth grade prospects that we're looking out for <laughs> no i actually don't have anything there but alabama state plays against a team called oglethorpe <laughs> unc Asheville, by the way they play against just Carolina. Which Carolina? They're just called Carolina? They're just called Carolina. Probably like Carolina College or something. Sacramento State plays against a railroad. Pacific Union. North Carolina Central plays against Mid-Atlantic Christian. Gonzaga plays their annual game against Eastern Oregon. I think it's annual. I'm not sure. Maybe they should do a home and home. How would that go, by the way? Gonzaga, home and home at Eastern Oregon? <laughs> Pretty Probably exactly how you'd expect it to go. One hundred three to 35, Gonzaga. <laughs> what did you say? 103 to 35? Yeah. 133 to 35, maybe. Yeah. What if Gonzaga played Portland Bible? What if Gonzaga played Portland Bible? <laughs> By the way, when does Portland Bible play Portland State this year? I didn't realize that was an annual series. Is it not? I didn't think so. <laughs> I hope it is. I, I was opened up the ESPN app on the opening night last year and was just like, who are these characters? Oh, man. Portland State does not play Portland Bible this year. 
By the way, the score of that game last year was 114 to 31. And it felt like it was a lot bigger of a blowout than that. Oh, my God. <laughs> all right. Are we almost done here? Yeah. I mean, I'm all good. Got my Valley update in. Got my Valley preview in. That was, that was fun. It was a fun one. Yeah. This is a good episode. Greg Waddell, thank you so much for coming on. You're definitely not watching at this point. I bored you out of your mind at the end there. Yeah. I, I saw him sitting there just like looking down for like five straight minutes as I was talking about the most random mid-major stuff. Yeah, I'm like, this is not Greg's forte. <laughs> Sam talking about random random players that play for teams in the 250s of Ken Bomb that nobody's heard of. Hey, I've heard of them. Sean Paul's heard of them. That makes two of us. Kevin yeah. Sweeney's probably heard of him too. Quite, yeah. Rocco Miller's that. definitely heard of him because he because he made all of these schedules. Rocco Miller's the reason these games are being played. True story. Shout out, by the way, Rocco Miller. Don't I cannot wait to have him on. Should we send him the link right now? No, absolutely not. We've we've gone on for an hour and fifty four minutes now, and it's and we started twenty five gonna... minutes late anyway. Mm-hmm. It's eleven twenty one. I have an article, huh? So, do we do a show tomorrow night? I think we do. I mean, we have a guest scheduled, don't we? <laughs> yes, we do. Pat Dallahan will be joining us tomorrow night. He'll talk some Penn Villanova with us. Yeah. And just some college basketball in general. I'm really excited for that. Mm-hmm. Introduce you to a guy that knows a lot about some of the freshmen that I talk about. Yeah. I got some I got some stuff going on tomorrow night. So I'll I like definitely will be able to do the show, but probably will not be able to watch a lot of games. I'll be box for watching a lot tomorrow. And then so. Tuesday night we'll have a big show after Syracuse beats Colgate by yeah, 15. T- Tuesday night we'll be on the couch watching games. I don't know if we'll have a Wednesday show, a Thursday show. Decent chance we have a Friday show. Mm-hmm. But probably no Saturday show next week. Definitely a Sunday show, though. Yeah. Um, we'll discuss that. Um, I, so, all right. But, sorry. I guarantee no Saturday show next week because I will be in Philly. Okay. So Sunday, is there any chance we could do – during the day i have the empire classic gotcha okay well we'll we'll figure something out a week from today yukon indiana what will be the score this is your exit ticket yes this is a show with exit tickets 84 59 yukon (laughs) 107 to 7 Wow. <laughs> That's brackets, bubbles, and bid stealers for Greg Waddell and Jonathan Lidskin. I have been your co-host, Sam Betterman. This has been an awesome show. I can't wait to talk random mid-major basketball with you again tomorrow night, Jonathan. I can't Always wait to talk. Blast. And we'll try and get Henry Eisenberg or Thomas Cavanaugh or somebody to talk Michigan St. John's as well maybe someone who was at the game. I might bring back Jaden on the phone from the from the New York subway going back to his home in Queens. Maybe we do it, maybe we don't. 
But that was Brackets, Bubbles, and Bit Stealers. This has been a great show. Almost two hours on a Sunday night with no high major basketball this weekend. No. <laughs> Gotta love it.